Sports Network from Learfield IMG College from Old Chicago. Welcome to the Aggies Coaches Show, brought to you by Old Chicago. Great pizza deserves great beer. America First Credit Union. Financial solutions for every need. And by SC Needham Jewelers, where Utah gets engaged. Now, the Aggies Coaches Show. Here's the voice of the Aggies, Scott Gerard. Welcome on in. It's another edition of the Aggie Coaches Show as we count you down to another week of Utah State football. Uh, Busy week, obviously. You got a football game coming up uh, in just 48 hours from right now as Utah State will take on Air Force. And then coming up on Saturday, Utah State welcomes in uh, BYU in basketball. So a lot to talk about. We'll talk to Coach Miley coming up here in just a moment. And then coming up at about a little past 630, we'll have a chance to chat with uh, Craig Smith, head coach of the Utah State men's basketball team. So uh, Utah State coming off an impressive victory over New Mexico. And to help break it down, it's the head coach, uh, the interim head coach of the Utah State football team, Frank Miley. Coach, how are you? Oh, we'll get to coach here in a second, actually. All right, so while we wait for Coach to uh, call in and uh, get a chance to chat with him a little bit, uh, Utah State, again, coming off that big, big win in which they were able to uh, knock off New Mexico. And you look at the schedule and you look at uh, what Utah State was able to do, uh, an impressive victory against uh, against New Mexico, as we mentioned. And uh, what a night for Andrew Peasley, who ended up uh, with a big performance, uh, not only uh, on through the air, where he had uh, well over 200 yards uh, uh, through the air, but also over 100 yards on the ground as well. Just a great night for Andrew Peasley. And uh, to help break it down, now we have the head coach of uh, Utah State, uh, Coach Frank Miley. Coach, how are you? Good. How you doing, Scotty? Good. Good to chat uh, chat with you again. Let's talk about uh, that mood in that locker room after the game. And, uh, and and I've got to imagine that momentum's extended into this week in preparation for the Air Force game, is it not? It has. It was awesome, man. It was a great feeling, man, to finally uh, be able to enjoy, you know, and see these guys celebrate, man, and see how happy they were about the win. And so uh, it's been a huge momentum changer for us, a confidence booster for the kids. And so uh, it's been a great week of practice. So excited, excited about Thursday. You had six points going into halftime. You trailed that game. And then the 28-point explosion in the third quarter. What do you attribute that to? Just the kids staying locked in, staying focused. You know, yeah. I thought the offense controlled the clock fairly well. They just, we just needed to finish uh, those drives instead of the field goals, and then uh, defensively, just needing to get off the field on third downs. And so, um, you know, halftime was really for us to reevaluate everything and then reload and then reengage. And those guys, man, they were, they were still hungry. There was a lot of excitement at halftime about just winning their fight and doing their jobs, and that's what they did. A lot of youngsters uh, making their appearance in this game and, and a lot of guys that I know that have been hungry to play and, and play at this kind of level. Uh, overall, how impressed were you with the youth of this team and how they handled themselves? Man, I was, I was impressed because the, these guys, man, they haven't flinched one bit with all the ups and downs and what we've asked them to do. And, you know, some of these guys pulling them from scout team uh, and having to play these guys. But that's, you know, it's kind of what everybody's going through right now. But these guys haven't flinched one bit, and I couldn't be more proud to be their coach. Talk a little bit about Andrew Peasley. I mean, tremendous performance. He gets the start, handles himself really well, has the uh, long touchdown run in which he pretty much salts the game away at that point. Uh, but, you know, I, 
knowing you're going to be the guy and spending that week in preparation of that New Mexico game, knowing you're going to get the start, uh, how much did that help him in his preparation for this game? Man, he's a competitor, so so I don't expect anything different from him, and, and it kind of doesn't surprise me, uh, yeah. except for he finally got his opportunity to, to prove himself, and that's what he did, man. He's a competitor uh, in, in all the phases of his life, man, and so it was great for him to see some success, uh, to build some of his own confidence in what he can do, and, and I don't think uh, we've only seen the tip of the iceberg with him and what he can do, and so he's a very talented kid. Well, it really seemed like uh, Dave Schramm designed a game plan that really fit his need or fit his skill set where he could obviously throw and run the football at a pretty high level. Uh, and, and I want to go back to the point you made about his work ethic because there's a lot of kids out there that have got a lot of talent but may not necessarily have that drive or that work ethic to go along with it. And it seems like Andrew Peasley's got the combination of the two. And that's really what separates good players from great players. Uh, at the bottom, the bottom line is their work ethic and their ability to put to put more uh, effort into uh, their film study, uh, just their physical training, their mental training. And so, uh, when you when you're able to find, a, especially your quarterback position, when you're able to find somebody who can put all those things together, man, you find something special. When you've got a quarterback that works hard and is dedicated, is it like high tide lifts all boats? Everybody else starts to increase their level of play as well. Absolutely, man. I think the position itself kind of, you know, is valued as a leadership role. But but Peasley, man, uh, even though he's not more a vocal leader, man, his example, I think, speaks volumes for him. And he leads by example. And so when he does speak, man, the, the troops follow. Well, that's, and that's good to hear, too, because not everybody's a vocal leader. But I got to imagine you take a guy who leads with his uh, with his play and his preparation more than a guy that just talks a lot in a locker room, correct? Yeah, man, and he's well-respected on this football team, man. His teammates love him. He's a great teammate in the locker room. And so everything he does is about uplifting other people, every, everybody that's around him. And so uh, whoever needs help, whoever needs, uh, you know, someone to talk to, you know, that's, that's the way he's all about, man. He's about uplifting the team at all times. And so that's why his teammates are behind him 100%. You know, you and I, we had a chance to chat earlier in the day on my uh... – on our radio show on our flagship station down in uh, Salt Lake City. And you mentioned, too, like everybody's excited about the win, and that's great, but there's there were a lot of left opportunities out on the field. And, and, and i got to mention, as a coach, it's good to celebrate a win, but also important to go back and look at where there were some missed opportunities to even uh, throw some more points on the board. Absolutely, man. Celebrating the win was, was good, man, to allow the kids to, to have success and enjoy it, but also uh, just let them know that, like, listen, there's so much we're leaving out there uh, that, that we're so capable of, you know, and we got to take advantage of every opportunity that's given to us to continue to be explosive on defense as well as offense. And so I think that's what, that what's driving these guys is to continue to build on top of what they did and just to clean up the little things. Uh, those mistakes so that we can take advantage of these games uh, and be more explosive in all three phases. Uh, you uh, you are going to welcome some fans back to the stadium. I know it's not going to be a full house, but I got to imagine you're pretty fired up to uh, play in front of some uh, some actual live bodies instead of some cardboard cutouts. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And, you know, Maverick Stadium is a special place to, to play in. Uh, and you know how crazy the fans get. We miss it. Um, but even though we can't have everybody there, man, it's always good to have fans, family and friends be there to support us and feel that love. So it, it'll be awesome to see those guys again. Uh, is there 
And, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. It's the last home game, but with the free season that uh, some of these guys are getting, I, I got to imagine there's no no senior night or anything like that it, events going on, is there? No, no, we're not. Uh, you know, it, it gets a little bit tricky with, as far as yeah. who's going to be coming back next year. So uh, we, we kind of have a plan to be able to celebrate all the seniors once we have all these conversations moving on to next year uh, postseason that we'll be able to, to still celebrate those guys and get it out there so everybody knows who they are. Yeah. Coach Frank Miley, kind enough to join us as we continue on. It's your Aggie Coaches Show. We're live here at Old Chicago. Frank Miley joining us on the phone. We'll chat with Craig Smith coming up in about 20 minutes from right now as well. But we'll break down Air Force coming up. The Falcons rolling into town. We'll talk about what makes them so difficult to prepare for next. You're listening to the Aggie Coaches Show from Learfield IMG College. Welcome on back to the Coaches Show, the Utah State Coaches Show. We're live here at Old Chicago, just down the road from Maverick Stadium. Great place to grab some pizza, grab some drinks, and uh, enjoy a, uh, hopefully, a couple of big Aggie victories coming up this week. Uh, game on Thursday, third consecutive Thursday game for Utah State. Uh, they'll take on Air Force, and on Saturday, they welcome in BYU in basketball. But Coach Frank Miley, kind enough to join us once again as we talk all things Air Force. And Coach, um, I, you know, I... You know, I've been doing the sports radio thing in Salt Lake for a while, so I've talked to Ron McBride and Lavelle Edwards and Urban Meyer and Kyle Whittingham and Bronco Mendenhall and all of these guys. They always say the same thing. Air Force Week is just pure hell to prepare for. <laughs> you, you know what, man? I, I, might be, I might be the only one that, in this boat as far as looking forward to these guys. Oh, so, yeah? Uh, I, I, I just love the fact that, you know, if you want to test your physicality and how disciplined you are, this is the team to, to, to match up and kind of test where you stand uh, physicality-wise, man. And so I look forward to it, man, because it's a mentality game. And, uh, you know, if, if you think you're a physical, tough team, this is the team to kind of test it against and see, and see where you actually sit. So I'm excited for it. Well, you know, and the other thing, too, I mean, obviously – the physicality thing is so important, but you got to have your head on a swivel. You've got to make sure that um, you, you got to make sure your assignment sound. Because if one singular player misses an assignment, it could be a 60-yard uh, touchdown in no time flat. You're exactly right, Scotty. Man, it, it's a it's a it's an assignment. It's assignment football game. This one very specifically. So uh, there's three phases to their triple option, man. And then there's guys that are responsible for the dive, for the quarterback, and for the pitch. So you know they're designed to try to pick up and, and cut people off and getting from their assignments. So for us, it's all about eye progression. Um, and where does that start pre-snap? When the ball snaps, where do their eye progressions go? And you know they're thinking run, run, run all the time, but. You know, the moment you just keep thinking it's run is when they take a shot through the air and, uh, you know, they, they, they call people to fall asleep here and uh, they catch you. And so for us, it's, the emphasis has just been do your job. Focus on one the expression and do your job. You know, one thing I've noticed over the last couple of years, too, they've got wide receivers because, well, frankly, they're they're, they're probably not given many options, but they, they block extremely well. And so they'll man up on a safety or they'll man up on a corner and take them out of the play. You've got to have your defensive backs kind of fight through those blocks because you need their help in, in, in run support. Absolutely. Everybody plays a role. So everyone plays a role in the run game. Everyone has a specific assignment. And in the past, Russian coverage got to work together. So Air Force has done a great job developing those guys, knowing uh, that they're going to Air Force for triple option. they got to be great blockers. And so they've developed really good blockers. But at the same time, in the past years, uh, they've done a great job of getting real receivers 
who can do both. And so it just makes it a little bit more harder to prep for these guys. You know, when you're uh, when you're preparing for a team like Air Force, it seems like they've got a lot of guys that are just kind of interchangeable, and, and they can all do the same thing, and they can all do it very well. Do you do you prepare more for the system than you do maybe for individual players? Absolutely, absolutely. And Scott, it's the mentality now. I think these guys do a great job. They'd be in so many teams before you even get to the football game uh, yeah. than anybody else I think I've ever seen. And so it's a mentality game from when you start the, the week so you get to the football game as far as, you know, you, you're going to have to do the same thing over and over, you know, especially the D-line. For them, it's about creating knockback and just grabbing a sledgehammer and breaking rocks the whole 60 minutes, the whole game. So it, it's, it's, not a, it's not a sexy game. It, 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 it's really just – Keep your head down and then pound away the whole game, and, and you got to be okay with that. Brad Roberts uh, coming in, number 20, averaging 7.3 yards a carry. He's averaging 140 yards a game, and they're giving it to him a lot, almost 20, uh, 20 carries a game. What jumps out at you when you see him on film? Man, he runs the ball hard. So, he, again, that's, that's the key, man. If you can't stop that, then you're going to have a long night and then really little chance to win the football game. So, these guys are number one rushing offense in the country, and so that's going to be the biggest challenge for us is to stop the run. And yep. so part of that is for them, you know, controlling the clock uh, and being on the field long periods of time and just wearing people out. And so, for us, we got to get off the football field ASAP. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and we talked about this a little bit earlier today, and, and you mentioned it as well. Usually they've got a wide receiver or so that is going to average uh, big carries, and they, they, they're using their tight end a little bit more this year. He's got nine catches for 140 yards. Uh, but it, it just seems like every now and then you feel like, okay, stop the run, stop the run, and then you're looking, and, oh, my gosh, that wide receiver is 10 yards behind me, and he's walking into the end zone. Uh, they don't throw the ball a lot, but when they do, it's usually going deep, and uh, usually they've got guys that are open because sometimes guys fall asleep on the defensive side of the ball. No doubt, man. And I would imagine they have people in the box that are just telling them, you know, they're biting super hard, they're going now, they're cheating yeah. the drill. Uh, now's the time to take a shot. So uh, for us, man, we got to be disciplined. We got to beat the most disciplined team at their own game, and that's 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 be more disciplined than they are. Mm. Uh, Frank Miley joining us right here on uh, the Aggie Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. Utah State gets set to take on uh, the Falcons of Air Force. Uh, do you enjoy playing uh, a service academy too? There's always a lot of history and a lot of legacy there. Absolutely, man. A lot of respect for those guys, man. Coach Calhoun and those guys do a great job over there. And so their reputation uh, receives those guys, man. And then a lot of respect to those guys, man, for what they do day in and out. And, and not just football-wise, you know, what they do for our country and their service and their dedication to, to you know, who they are and what they're about, man. Uh, I, I, a lot of respect for me to those guys uh, just in general. But, again, when it comes to the game, we, we got to do everything possible to out-physical them and out-discipline those guys. You know, a lot of times you spend time – in spring and fall camp uh, working on Air Force. I can't imagine you had a lot of time. Do you feel still pretty comfortable with your ability to prepare for this team? You know, that was, that was the hardest part of the whole deal because, like you said, it's kind of a year-round deal to prepare for these guys and have a game plan before we even get to the fall season. And so, uh, you know, we, we've, had, we've had a long history with these guys. Of times we've had success. Uh, you know, some of our game plan in 2018 was really successful for us when we beat them last time. And so some of that stuff we've implemented 
um, and as hard as it was through Zoom, but at least implementing it into the, our kids' minds as far as their assignments, their eye progressions, uh, and what their specific assignment was to be able to stop these guys um, is as close as we got. But, you know, unfortunately, we, we didn't get the preparation we normally do. But I still feel good about where we're at, and uh, the practices we've been having have been really good. On the offensive side of the ball, uh, there's a lot of pressure on your offense to not just score points, but no three and outs. I mean, obviously you can't turn the ball over, but three and outs are deadly against this team because a lot of times they'll go on a seven-minute drive. You go three and out, and your defense is right back out on the field. Uh, do you change? And, and you obviously I'm not asking you to give me a lot of X's and O's, but sometimes do you maybe run a little bit more clock in between plays to try to give your defense as much of a breather as you can? Absolutely, man. And Coach Rams, you know, that, that's a big part of uh, what he's been doing lately is trying to protect the defense as much as he can as far as not speeding up the, the, the you know, no huddle. We're going to huddle up and, and try to control the clock ourselves. And that's what they did a great job with last week, especially in the first quarter, uh, of using up most of that clock. And so it should it. God, it might be the fastest game we, we see this year is, is yeah. on Thursday with, with two teams trying to eat up the clock. So, um but, but those guys will do a great job, man. They understand what's at stake. And, you know, as much as we're trying to get off the field, they're trying to stay on the field. And so if we can accomplish that, uh, we have a great chance of winning. Yeah. Well, and, and, it, and it's really interesting, too, because, you know, it just seems like time of possession. You know you're probably going to lose that time of possession battle. But if you can keep it somewhat even, I got to imagine you got a, you got a pretty good chance in this game. Absolutely, man. That's, that's, that's a huge emphasis for us this week, man, is defense cannot be on the field that long. And offense, uh, they they got to be able to establish the run versus a team that's pretty good at stopping the run. So that's going to be a challenge for us. But, uh, you know, I, I think we've gotten better. We, we were we were solid in the Fresno game, took a huge step forward. And then right into last week, man, I, I thought those guys did a great job versus a defense that was really uh, explosive with walking Long and those guys. And so I think yeah. the confidence of this offense, the O-line, the running back, uh, is really going to show up this week. Yeah, you bring up a really good point, too. They, uh, you know, they haven't played in since they uh, beat New Mexico back on November 20th, and, and they've dealt with some adversity with, with COVID and some other issues uh, surrounding their team as well. So, uh, it, you know, it's a team that's had a little bit of time off, and uh, I know that that's something that you look at and realize they've had a lot more time to prepare for us than we've had a chance to prepare for them. But, but uh, no excuses, right, Coach? You go out there and just find a way to get it done. Yeah, man. No, no, no excuses, no regrets. So we're going to give it everything we got. Uh, we're going to try to get after these guys. We're going to out-physical them, and that's the game plan, man. And our kids are excited for this fight. Well, let me ask you this, though. I mean, just overall, there's, you know, when, when you deal with the ups and downs that you guys have had to deal with throughout the season and you finally get that W, I got to imagine not just that night and not just the day after, and I know you got to prepare, but there's got to be, you know, a lot of uh, – you know, it, things just seem a little things just seem a little sweeter after a win, right? All week long. Absolutely, man. Once you get a little bit of taste of, of victory, man, it, it changes kind of your perspective, uh, your urgency to be better, to do better, to be cleaner. Uh, just because you understand now that your job affects everybody on the football team, in, yeah. in the, whether it's good or bad, and so. For these guys, man, the urgency has been a lot better. Uh, it's always been good, but I, I think they understand there's there's more to us than what we've showed so far and what, what everybody's seen. What's your overall message to your guys this week? What are your keys to the game? What do you want to see get accomplished? Do your job, win your fight. 
Bottom line, that's what it's going to come down to. They got good players, we got good players, but you got to win your one-on-one uh, battle, be disciplined, and as long as everybody is in that mindset of attacking the field um, and being more physical than these guys, then we'll win this football game. Oh, man, I love to hear it. Coach, appreciate it. Thanks so much, and uh, good luck coming up on Thursday. Scotty, thank you, man. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Frank Miley right here on the Aggie Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. Great conversation uh, and uh, should be a fun one. Remember, there will be fans available or uh, tickets available for this game. Uh, There will be fans in the stands allowed, I believe up to 5,000. So if you want to get to this game, go to utahstateaggies.com and uh, get your tickets and uh, let's uh, let's fill up Maverick Stadium, at least to the uh, the amount that they will allow us to fill up Maverick Stadium. Again, 5,000. Also, uh, we'll answer the question as to whether or not fans will be allowed in the Utah State BYU game uh, for basketball. We'll touch on that coming up next. You're listening to Aggie, or you're listening to uh, the Aggie Coaches Show from Learfield IMG College. Time to talk some hoops. Welcome back. You're listening to the Aggie Coaches Show from Learfield IMG College. We just talked to Frank Miley. And uh, as we get you ready for Utah State and Air Force coming up on Thursday, then on Saturday, BYU rolls into town in the spectrum as uh, Utah State will take on BYU. And joining us now, the head coach of the Utah State basketball team, Craig Smith. Coach, I'm sure you missed me. Thanks for doing this on the phone. How you doing? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing great. Uh, I was just having a flashback with us doing this on the phone uh, with the state of the world and whatnot, uh, I was thinking back to last year when we when we did it right next to the restroom door. Yeah, and in the little closet. We were tucked in that closet. Yeah, we saw everybody walking in and out of the restroom, and we and yeah, I won't say what else we saw, but um, so anyway, just having a little flashback down memory lane. There wasn't a lot of social distancing going on during that interview. <laughs> no, that's for sure. I think between you, me, and some, somebody else was in there, and we uh, we were cozied up, and uh, we had some good bonding going on. That's for sure. Well, let's uh, let's talk some hoops. Uh, obviously, first two games didn't go the way you would have liked in South Dakota, but you rebound with a nice, a really, really good win against a really good Northern Iowa team. I watched them the night before, and they had St. Mary's on the ropes, and frankly, should have won that game uh, before St. Mary's came back and. Uh, and to rebound the way you did in that second half or in that in that third game, I thought was really impressive. Now that you've had a chance to look at the film of not just that game, but all three games, what were your takeaways from South Dakota? Scotty, I love how and I and I can't thank you enough for just kind of skipping over those first two <laughs> and really locking into the to the third one. I, I owe you one for that. But you know, it was a learning experience for our team. Certainly, we got exposed with some things. Um, that that we've really locked into here the last couple of days of practice, and uh, it was a great tournament. I mean, West Virginia is in the top 15 in the country, and they won it. Western, Western Kentucky is really good. Northern Iowa had a great chance to beat those guys as well um, the first night, and so you know. But really, kind of three really different games. I thought the you know the VCU game. We we practiced here on Monday, got on an airplane. And literally as we land, uh, it was released on Twitter that we're playing VCU. And that wasn't the tournament organizer's fault. There were two, two basketball players for Wichita State who we were supposed to play. 
um, that tested positive, and then with the contact tracing, so on and so forth. So played a very good VCU team. Got They got third place. They beat Memphis in the third place game. I thought we really controlled the first 25 minutes or so of that game, and, and then we just kind of had a meltdown. Um, their pressure, and their pressure will do that to teams, um, you know, but we just – uh, we took some bad shots, missed some easy shots around the basket. Nimi missed a couple, missed a dunk in a in a layup, and then we cranked up four threes that we missed. We had nine turnovers that led to seven direct points, and then we had another foul on an offense. Fonz fouled 90 feet from the basket. So, you know, the whole eliminate losing that was the last thing we talked about in the pregame was we can't have our off. Our offense be their best offense, and that certainly was the case uh, at that point in time. At the same time, I think it was a great learning experience for our guys, uh, and we'll get better because of that. The South Dakota State game was just really disappointing in every way, shape, and form. Uh, I thought they were throwing punches right away, and we were still only down five with um, just over four minutes to go. And the last ten minutes of the last ten possessions of that game, uh, we get outscored 15 to three, and the same type of thing in those ten possessions, five turnovers, and um, and just firing shots that I wouldn't say are great shots. Uh, and then I thought we came out uh, with a good start to the second half offensively, but we just couldn't get a stop. And yeah. that was the name of the game that game. I thought we just were tentative, didn't get into the ball did make them feel us. They were raining threes all over the place in every way, shape, and form. And we have 18 turnovers. And they, they're not a team that pressures and denies and gets after you. And so that was a, that was a really poor performance by the Aggies. Um, and that was very, very disappointing. And then I thought we responded in a great way against Northern Iowa. I thought we showed something about who we are and what we are and what we can be. And uh, we had a great mentality right away. Our bench was phenomenal um, all game. I thought our communication was lights out. And we made it really, really difficult on them. And, you know, to their credit, their center makes five threes. Well, one, their starting center makes one. And their backup center, who hardly ever plays, goes, you know, four for five, I think, from the three. And so um, that was a bit of an anomaly. I thought we really self-corrected. And we're able to finish that game out strong, holding them to 16 points in the last 27 possessions. And and we got back to playing Aggie basketball, getting to the foul line 31 times, um, uh, turned it over 13 times, which is still a little too many, but we'll get that figured out. Uh, and then just taking much better shots um, as a whole. And so it was exciting to see. We'll have a great let's have a great week of practice and get ready for a good BYU team. Is that oh, ab- question? Yeah, no, you, you nailed it. You knocked it out of the park. Uh, how advantageous are these uh, essentially uh, seven days, eight days really, uh, in between games to get back in the uh, get back on the court uh, and, and really go over some things that worked and didn't work and uh, get ready for, as you mentioned, a really good BYU team? Well, I think huge, um, especially with the state. You know, we're just. We're a young and inexperienced team. You're going to hear that, and I don't want to be a broker record, but it's the facts. We got to we got to get some miles on our tires here, um, and, and learn what we got. Certainly, you know, against Northern Iowa, we did shorten the rotation some. Um, you know, it's a it's a big boy. It's that, I mean, those are some really good teams there, and that was big boy basketball, and it'll be the same this Saturday. So, um, you know, at this level, when you're playing good teams, when teams make mistakes, they make you pay. 
and you could see that in particular in particular the first two nights. So I think it's huge. Uh, we took two days off and had a really really good practice yesterday and today, uh, and and we'll keep surging forward to BYU. We just gotta, you know, it's a lot we're throwing at these guys, and we've had to really look at the mirrors, coaches, obviously. And, okay, for some reason we're not fully understanding this as a team, and so that's coaching, right? And there's certain things that really stood out that we have to get better at. We have to put much more time into, and and um, and then and these guys will just continually get better. I think back to different years. I think back to our first year here especially where it seemed like every night out we got better, and you could see different players getting better uh, at different rates, and I think that we'll see the same thing here because – we got a lot of guys that have great hearts, that love to play the game, that love to wear the Aggie uniform, and uh, and we're just got to keep on climbing that ladder. I know you're only three games in, but did you anticipate, or I guess at what point during uh, during camp, getting ready for the season, did you anticipate that Raleigh Wooster would have such a integral role on this team? Uh, we felt like that. I would say this summer. We didn't have much time this summer. Uh, you know, he and Stephen Ashworth were the, were the, the, the you know, were the, and Matt Wickheiser and Carson, Carson. Those are the the four freshmen that were here this summer. You know, Shimon wasn't here, um, Z wasn't here, Max Suga wasn't here, and we only had three weeks with them. But Raleigh's just one of those guys. You got to pry him out of the gym. He's in there all the time. Loves to play. He, he never has a bad day. Uh, and, and I think the biggest thing was he, he just has tremendous poise and composure for uh, a true freshman uh, coming right out of high school. And, and, um, and, and at the end of the day, all he cares about is winning. He literally, I think I said this after the Northern Iowa game, doesn't care about anything but winning. All he wants to do is win. And it's amazing how simple things can be when your whole focus is doing whatever you got to do to win the game and not worried about stats or, or X, Y, and Z, whatever else is out there. Um, and so we felt like he was going to have a very strong impact uh, on our program from day one, and he is. Mm. Well, and, and it certainly seems like he's, at times, from a freshman, he plays – with kind of a calming influence. I mean, there were moments against VCU, and I know I know he's turned the ball over uh, a few times in some games, but I think for the most part, the, the moment never seems too big for him. And he seems like a calming influence on the offense, especially when you have him running the point a little bit. That's what's really impressed me. I mean, obviously, the scoring's great, but he doesn't, he doesn't look or act like a freshman. If you brought somebody in the gym and said, tell me who the freshman is out there, they're not pointing to him because he just seems like he's so calm and collected. Well, he's got a yeah. He's he's incredibly poised. You know, you can tell he played quarterback in high school. He's a really good quarterback. He's a great decision maker. Um, you know, part of it, the speed of the game is still going. Where he he still has some turnovers that he needs to tighten up. But he will. He'll get adjusted. You know, the VCU game. Uh, you know, on the one day of prep, just with their press, they do some things different, which we had to kind of try to manipulate. Our, our press break a little bit and um, and sometimes we did it great and other times we weren't so good and that wasn't necessarily on our on our primary handler it was on the other receivers and so then they really got on an island at times and, 
and and that's just part of the growing curve. That's something that we'll learn from. But um, but you're right, Raleigh. Raleigh just has a moxie to him. Um, he has a poise to him. He, he is very calming. Um, um, and he's well beyond his years in terms of following a game plan, understanding what's going on. But there's certain things that will show up, you know, too, and that's part of being a rookie, even, you know, late in the game against Northern Iowa. And we had it in control, but, you know, uh, they come down and Raleigh does what he would normally do. We're, we're raiding the drive, but we way overhelped at that time and score. Uh, and we give up an open three, you know, to number 13. So just just um, those types of things. And the more those young guys are out there and they gain that experience, the more they learn and they get a feel for exactly how it works. And, and, um, and I'm very confident that those guys will get there. There was a moment in the Northern Iowa game, and I apologize. I, sh- I, I wrote it down on my notes, and I don't, I don't have those same notes with me tonight, but I believe it was in the first half. And, and South Dakota State, that their ball movement, you can tell those guys have been playing together forever. Uh, their chemistry is great. And, and they were moving the ball around and finding the open receiver or open uh, shooter, and he was knocking him down. But there was a moment, I believe, in the first half uh, where you're playing Northern Iowa, and, they, and they're moving the ball around, and you're helping the helper. They go inside out, and it ends up with, I believe, number four, taking a you know a long shot from you know straight away 10 feet behind the line to try to beat the shot clock and it was like that was the moment like all right the defense clicked that's probably the best defensive possession Utah State has played in the tournament and it just seems like you guys kind of fed off that going forward yeah I think it starts with energy and talking and communicating and and I thought we were excellent that way I think it's worrying about the right things, and that's winning play, as we said in the in the film session before um, the game, or you know the day of the game. Uh, there's a lot of ways to win, and we have a lot of young guys, and then we have some experienced guys that have never been in these shoes before. Yeah. Meaning, you know, now they're the upperclassmen, and and all of that that goes with it. And it, well, we've talked a lot about the freshmen. I didn't think, you know, especially the first two games, I didn't think we got a heck of a lot out of most of our returners, quite frankly. And so, and, and we let them know that. And like, as, a, as a coach, and all, the way we've always had success, certainly our first two years here at South Dakota at Mayville, is there are so many, people will say little things, we call them winning things. So whether it's taking bad shots, Right. Uh, that that I mean, taking bad shots or losing plays. Yeah, you can make that shot. You know, I know you can make that shot, but can you make it six, seven out of ten times or <clears throat> standing up the ball? I thought we were really, really soft on the ball. You're talking about the defensive possession. I thought that was a big problem with ours all week. Well, except for the Northern Iowa game, we were super soft on the ball, not bothering the ball, not getting into the ball, not carrying a hand, uh, got hurt in transition. I mean, you name it. But that game, for whatever reason, it clicked. We certainly simplified some things on the scout. They're not, they weren't a really difficult team to prepare for because a lot of the stuff they do, we do in practice. So the, our guys, I think, really maybe freed themselves up. We always want to play on attack and play free and be the aggressor. And like we tell our guys, if you're overthinking, now you, right, the legs feed the wolves, but you don't want paralysis by analysis where you're overthinking and now your feet get a lot slower. And so I think we got a lot of guys that really want to do well, but they're overthinking everything instead of just playing the game they've played aggressively and at a high level 
for 18 to 24 years of their life. And so, um, you know, we all got to look in the mirror that way. And I think by simplifying things, that really, really helped us. And we'll continue to do so until, you know, we become experts at what we need to do. You touched on a point that I think is pretty interesting. Uh, I know everybody has asked you, you know, how do you replace Sam Merrill, the player? Well, you don't uh, because, I mean, he was just such a tremendous, tremendous player. But Sam Merrill, the leader, is that almost as equally difficult to replace as Sam Merrill, the player? Well, I mean, certainly Sam was a very good leader. um, And and he led, you know, Sam wasn't a – he was a great communicator on the floor. So was Diogo Brito. So was Abel Porter. I mean, those are three of the best communicators. The year before, Quinn Taylor, phenomenal communicator. And, and so, you know, that's, that's part of learning our language. That's part of, when I say language, like our basketball language, you know, what a spread screen is, what an okay screen is, what blue means, what red means, so just mastering all that stuff and then getting comfortable with the speed of the game. So a lot of times when guys don't talk, it's not always that they don't want to talk. It's just things are going so fast. And then they got to remember, you know, all the vocabulary and so on and so forth. So, you know, a guy like Namiya Keda really picked up onto that stuff super quick. That's what one thing a lot of people don't realize is his intelligence for the game and how he picks up on things are incredible. But not everybody is like that. So it takes a little bit of time. So, Sam's leadership also is showing up every day for practice, ready to roll, you know. But all yeah. three of those guards did that, right? We very rarely had a bad – and we haven't had too many bad practices this year either, but we've had a couple games where one full game and about, you know, 15 minutes of another game where it wasn't so great. But we'll keep going. That is part of it, definitely. And, and, and those are shoes that, you know, Bean and Brock – and Nimi and, you know, Marco's first year playing, but he's really trying that way. And that stuff just, you know, it'll take time, but they'll, they'll get there. I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah, no doubt. Well, take a quick break, come back, final segment of the show, and uh, we'll talk a little BYU as Utah State gets set for the Cougars coming up on Saturday. And we'll talk about fans in the stands and what that means to this Utah State team. It's all straight ahead. You're listening to the uh, Aggie Coaches Show from Learfield IMG College. All right, final segment of the show. You're listening to the Aggie Coaches Show from Learfield IMG College. Coming up on Saturday, Utah State will take on BYU. Head men's basketball coach Craig Smith, kind enough to join us. And, uh, Coach, uh, I know it was kind of – I guess, you know, how weird was it for you coaching a game uh, with no fans in the stands? <laughs> First of all, i got to tell you, those breaks go a lot quicker when we're in person together. Yeah, I know, right? And- having a soda um it's definitely different you know i thought they did a great job running the tournament um everything was it was a well-oiled machine very efficient um it's definitely different you know it's uh, i mean you just walk in and your opponent the officials and your team and that's it there's i mean the scorekeepers and so it it was really really uh bizarre you also you know wearing the mask it is it's just and obviously we were a mask every day in practice, so that like that's nothing new. But you know, in the Pentagon at the in that tournament, they had just a light, you know, crowd noise. It wasn't crazy loud, but it yeah. was like not that I could notice it when I was coaching, but like when we were there, 
you know, waiting to play the game going on before us. We would just sit in the bleachers because there wasn't like a coach's locker room. You can notice it then, especially. But you're trying to yell and project to your guys what you want to run or what you're doing. And uh, it was di- that it was just different, for, without a question. And now, like I'm at home right now. And, um, I just got done watching a game, uh, uh, a BYU game, but I got the Michigan State Duke game on, and it's at Cameron Indoor, and that place is nuts, right? And right now, Michigan yeah. State's up 13, and it's just nobody there. I mean, it's just so almost surreal that way. But at the end of the day, we're all just happy to be playing. We're happy to have games. We're happy to compete. You know, this is a, a great time, and these guys is – lives that they'll always look back on um, with great pride. And so I know they're fired up to compete. And fortunately, well, fortunately for us, we're what I think we're getting roughly 1,600 fans um, in the in the spectrum on a Saturday night. I know our guys will be really excited. And of course, um, um, of course, we're doing it with the safety and well-being of everybody in mind, first and foremost. 400 of those will be students, so you, you're looking forward to getting the students yelling and screaming. And, and normally, obviously, you'd love uh, 10,270 against BYU, but you'll take what you can get uh, because this is, a big, this is a good BYU team coming into town. And I know USC roughed them up earlier today, but it's a team that shoots the three ball, shoots it a lot, and when they're hitting, they're really hard to stop. I didn't see that game yet today. I know they're, you know, it's we, we have two different teams, right? We're a different team, yeah. uh, and they're a different team. And um, uh, they brought in some. They went, you know, we we pretty much just brought in all high school guys. They went a, a lot different route, you know, with the grad transfer from Utah Valley that played, of course, for Mark Pope at Utah Valley and Matt Harms from uh, Purdue, who's a seven-three center that that is very, very skilled and does a lot of different things. They brought in um, a Juco kid that it looks like on the box score had a good game um, today, Bar- uh, Barcelli, and I probably butchered that. Um, he He's a very good player for them. Of course, he made last year, he made a huge three in the right corner. Yeah. Not that it's engraved in my mind or anything, but uh, um, it, is, it is in uh, mind. made a big yeah. play for them. Yeah, exactly. Connor Harding's a very good player. And so they do what they do. They're, they all, they want to get up and down the floor. They want to run. Um, they they shoot a lot of threes, and they're a very good shooting team uh, on most occasions. And they're just very sound. They're well coached. And so um, we're looking forward to a great contest against them. Nobody ever comes up to you and asks you about beating BYU. I'm sure that never happens to you when you're around town in Logan. <laughs> No, not at all. <laughs> you know, it's such a good, it's such a, you know, obviously our first year going down to the, uh, what's it called, the Marriott Center, I think it's called, their home yep. arena. They have a great atmosphere. And I've always said this, this is what, a huge reason that attracted me to Utah State is obviously we have a great uh, venue and a great arena and a tremendous spirit and atmosphere. And when I think of sports and I think about Utah, I think about basketball. And we say it recruiting. Like, there's, you know, the, the, of the four major sports, when I say I'm thinking hockey, football, baseball, and basketball, you know, we don't have an NFL team. We don't have an NHL team. We don't have a major league baseball, but we do have an NBA team. And basketball means something to people here. I think it's so important. 
to play each other. You know, is it ideal to be playing BYU at home? I mean, we're glad to be playing them and at home, but it'd be nice because we all know it'd be 12,000, you know, 270 people or whatever it is, uh, sell out and going bonkers. But that's just how it is. And I think it's important for the, the, the Utah schools to play each other. We're going to play at Weber State this year, right? You don't see a lot of Mountain West teams playing at Big Sky schools, but we're doing it. You know, we're playing Dixie here. I think it's important to play um, Utah schools. I know it means a lot to our state, to our region, uh, and to all the fan bases. Well, Coach, we appreciate your time. Look forward to chatting with you uh, leading up to that BYU game, and good luck on Saturday. All right, Scotty, it's great to get this thing started. Go Aggies. Love it. There you go. Craig Smith right here on the Aggie Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. Remember, it's a busy week for Utah State Athletics. Coming up on Thursday, you'll have the Utah State Air Force game. And then on Saturday, it's Utah State and BYU in basketball. A lot of great action coming up. And remember, uh, 5,000 fans available to the football game. You can get your tickets on utahstateaggies.com. 1,600 tickets will be available for the game against BYU. Uh, So get those tickets and have yourself a great time. We'll be back with you next week for another edition of the Aggie Coaches Show from Learfield IMG College. From Old Chicago, this has been the Aggies Coaches Show. Brought to you by Larry H. Miller Dealerships. Driven by you, Zions Bank. We haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. And by Ford. Go further. The proceeding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Aggie Sports Network.